Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. The reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 to 90. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So we're going to be looking today at Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but also I love how John has put those two stories beforehand as well, of Lazarus reclining at the table and then Mary anointing his feet. Um, And so this morning I've given my talk this title, Extravagant Worship, Extravagant Love, because I'm looking at those two things. And my intention is I'll just draw a few things out of this passage and then we'll come back to worship because I feel like this morning is really all about worship, worshiping our King who's given us so much time for us. 
Um, and so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be kind of zooming in on little bits of these passages. So it's going to be kind of like looking at snapshots of what's going on. And so I thought I'd start off with a few kind of snapshots of my life, as soon as this is the theme. So, yeah, if you want to put the first snapshot up, this is my family. So I don't know if you know them. So that's Richard and my four children. So they're all in their 20s. And we're looking particularly smart at this particular moment in time. So we were, during lockdown, one of our activities was that we were going to uh, put the camera up on a tripod, dress up smartly, and have some family photos. So that's what one of the kids decided to use for their birthday activity. So that's what we did. Looking very smart there. Not normally what we look like. <laughs> so the next photo is, I love this. So I'm from Cornwall, Newquay Girls. So this, is, um, this summer, I took my kids for the first time back to Newquay, where I, where I grew up, to show them my beach. Fistral Beach, I lived in a house overlooking the beach. So... Gorgeous sunset, recommend it. And then the next photo, I really like uh, trying out new activities. So this is me looking super cool, I think. Looking like I'm gonna give a great archery shot to that poor little plastic Bambi in the distance. <laughs> looking the part, but I was rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely hopeless at archery. And then the last, last couple of photos, here's my cat. I'm definitely cats, not dogs. That's Belly the cat. And then finally, because it's Easter, this one is our house rabbit, Peanut. Isn't he cute? <laughs> so you get like a little snapshot into my life. It's quite busy, it's quite full of people, uh, quite full of pets. Um, so yeah, so zooming back into the chapter then. So John chapter 12, uh, snapshot number one, we're gonna zoom in on the meal. So there's a meal being held in Jesus' honor. And just before this, um, we've seen Jesus done the most incredible miracle that Lazarus had died. He'd been in the tomb for four days. And then Jesus had arrived and he called Lazarus out. And Lazarus had raised from the dead and come out of the tomb. Absolutely phenomenal, amazing miracle. And this has caused such a big stir. People had been there mourning his death. They'd all seen this amazing miracle. So a lot was going on. And it meant that Jesus was no longer able to move around publicly anymore. So he'd gone off somewhere else. But now there's a, a, a meal was going to be held in his honour in Mary, Martha and Lazarus's house. And I just think, what a meal to be at. <laughs> if you're going to have some guests at your meal, Lazarus and Jesus. I mean, <laughs> absolutely stunning. But the thing out of this passage that really struck me was this, where it says, Lazarus was one among those who reclined at the table with Jesus. And it's that, that phrase, like reclining at the table, that actually outside all these tensions were actually growing. The crowds were getting bigger. People were starting to arrive for the Passover feast at Jerusalem. And Bethany, where they were, was kind of on the way. It was just two miles outside of Jerusalem. And so many, many people had heard about Jesus and they wanted to catch a glimpse of him. Many people had heard about this miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead and they wanted to see what was going on. And so there was a huge crowd. And yet at the same time, there's this big tension going on. The religious leaders did not like this. It was causing a stir. It was causing a reaction. They were out to get Jesus. They were out to kill Lazarus. And yet in the midst of all this tension, we just see it says they reclined at the table with Jesus. 
And I just find that so challenging. I don't know what your life is like, but there's always a challenge to recline with Jesus, to keep my eyes focused on Jesus, uh, particularly when circumstances can feel really challenging. So, yeah, the Bible again and again just tells us to trust God and rest in him, doesn't it? Psalm 46 says this, Be still and know that I'm God. Exodus 14, verse 14, The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Are we going to trust God with our circumstances or are we going to be overwhelmed by them? You know, for me, it's when I can't control my circumstances, um, when I don't seem to get those answers to prayer, when I'm praying for things for my kids, and I just think, God, bring a breakthrough. Am I going to keep my eyes on Jesus? You know, I love that worship song, Waymaker, that says, even when I can't see him, he's working. Uh, even when I don't feel it, he's working. I just need to learn to just trust Jesus and look at him. So Isaiah 41, this speaks so much encouragement over us. So if you want to listen to this. Do not be afraid. I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. For I hold you by, my, by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, says to you, do not be afraid. I am here to help you. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will direct us, protect us, he'll lead us. We just need to keep our eyes on him. And I was just wondering, you know, for you, what does that mean to trust him today? You know, what significant circumstances are you looking at where you need to just trust him? Are there kind of opportunities in front of you that you need to take up or things that you need to let go of where you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus? Perhaps you're in like a vulnerable situation or you're facing some sickness. God says he's going to protect you, that he'll guide you. The invitation is to sit with Jesus. So I love that bit of the scripture. And then into this scene, let's zoom in on something else. That here we have like one of the most extravagant acts of worship in the whole Bible. Mary comes to Jesus with a perfume, a jar of perfume, and pours it out on his feet and wipes it with her hair. I just think that's just the most beautiful act of worship. Now Mary, I think Mary knows exactly who Jesus is. The chapter before in John's Gospel, we hear her sister Martha declare this to Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Not only has Jesus raised their brother from the dead, but now he's here in their house having dinner with them. What an amazing position to be in. And Mary, just as she looks at him, she just pours out her love like this perfume on his feet. What an extravagant act of worship. And I love that. And I love that Jesus affirms what she's done. If you look in the other gospel accounts, it says that she anointed his body for burial. She unwittingly does this amazing prophetic act. And 
you know what, I think that just takes so much courage to do. In this room that she was in, there would have been lots of men sitting and eating. We're not told how many women are in the room, but I assume that she was outnumbered. And yet, in this situation, she does her act. And I, th I feel like also, you know, she had so many critical eyes on her as well. We know that Judas was very critical of it, but was he the only one in the room who was looking at what she was doing, letting her hair down, pouring out perfume? What was she doing? And yet, her eyes were on Jesus. And so I, I feel like, actually, it takes more than courage to do what she did. I feel like... Um, it's like an awareness of the presence of Jesus. She was so in this moment, knowing she was in the presence of Jesus, that she, nothing else mattered. That she decided to do whatever was on her heart that would honor and worship Jesus. And it makes me, you know, challenges me to think, well, you know, how often do we hold back from things? How often do we not do what we feel like we want to do in worship of Jesus? You know, we can have, like, worries about we're going to get criticised, what are people going to think of us? You know, it's very easy to fall into that thinking, or even in our own head, we can be really critical. Oh, you're going to look stupid, you're going to look silly, you know. And I don't mean just in our corporate worship, I mean just now in everyday life. You know, our lives of worship to God, are we going to be brave enough to step out, speak words of encouragement to people? Um, pray for people around us. What are we going to do? Are we going to be those who are so focused on Jesus? Or are we going to hold back? I just think, you know, these actions are really costly. We've got to risk criticism, risk embarrassment. It's always going to cost something. There's always going to be a battle over stepping out in something new. But Mary, she sees Jesus in front of her. And she pours out herself like that perfume. And she wipes his feet with her hair. I wish I was more like that, don't you? I really do. I really want to be so conscious of Jesus in my worship that I'll pour anything out just so I can worship him. So extravagant worship, abandoned extravagant worship. I love that setting. And I love that John in his gospel puts that setting before what we see on the next, the next morning, Jesus' triumphal entrance into Jerusalem. So we move on to the next bit. So the next day, an even greater crowd has gathered. So it's really noisy, re lots going on here. Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey to loud shouts of like, Hosanna, which means save us now. King of, King of Israel, son of David, huge crowds lining the streets, branches being thrown down, cloaks being thrown down. The crowd are kind of hoping this is their long-awaited king come to liberate them from the Romans. There's a lot going on here. And so our snapshot this time is Jesus on the donkey riding into Jerusalem. You know, Jesus, remember what Jesus says about himself. He says this, I am humble and gentle at heart. I love this, that he rides on a donkey like an animal of peace. It's full of gentleness and humility. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of God, that God is all-powerful, and yet he's so gentle. Love that picture. I'm going to try and keep that picture in my mind every Easter of like the almighty God and yet the gentle one. So this act that Jesus is doing by riding on the donkey 
as we heard, it fulfills prophecies from Zechariah. And the Jewish religious leaders would have known that prophecy. They'd been very familiar. And they would have known exactly what Jesus is doing. He's very publicly identifying himself with that scripture. He's fulfilling that scripture as the shepherd king that has been prophesied about. And so he knew that by entering Jerusalem this way, it was very public and it was going to provoke events that would lead to his death and his resurrection. And yet he deliberately does this. And I just love that. I love that the whole of the story of Easter, Jesus was not taken by surprise. He was the Lord of the events that went on in the next few days. So how do we know this? If we look into Mark 11, it says that on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus took his disciples on one side and he told them what was going to happen to him. So he said this, he said, the son of man would be betrayed by the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He said that he'd be condemned to death. They would hand him over to the Gentiles who would mock and spit and flog him and kill him. And then three days later, he would rise. He told them this beforehand. And we know he had a foreknowledge as well about some of the details. He told them where to find the cult. He told them about the arrangements for the Last Supper in the upper room. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter would deny him three times, and he knew that all the disciples would desert him. So he had all these things. He knew all these things in advance. And he understood completely and embraced completely what his calling was. And I just love that, that even though he knew what was going to happen, he still chose to go ahead with it all. That's amazing, amazing truth. I was really struck by that this year. That, and we find out that actually on this day, this was the day that the Jewish people would choose their Passover lambs for the festival. And on this day, Jesus goes into Jerusalem and presents himself as our Passover lamb. Awesome. Just want to read what Isaiah prophesied many years beforehand. This is Isaiah 53, verse 5 to 7. For he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's plan to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. So on Good Friday, at exactly the time when they would start to slaughter the Passover lambs in the temple at three o'clock, Jesus breathed his last on the cross. 1 Corinthians 5 says this, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been crucified. Phenomenal that Jesus would go and lay his life down for us. So I want to finish before we go back to worship then by reading Philippians 2, verse 6 to 11 over us. And if you want to just close your eyes and listen to this, it's the most beautiful scripture. It says this about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God 
was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he, hum he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. But therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name that is above all names, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So we're going to go back to a time of worship now, which has been the plan. I just feel like these scriptures are so designed to, us to just come back and worship him. And I saw worship him. I just want you to go back to the things I've been talking about. So if you remember back to, I talked about Lazarus sitting at the table with Jesus. So he had his eyes on Jesus rather than being overwhelmed by his circumstances. Do we need to be more like Lazarus, just having our eyes on Jesus? And then do we need to be more like Mary, who poured herself out so freely in worship and not hold back? There's such a challenge in that. Are we going to hold back or are we going to become more like, more like Mary? Or are you going to be like me and just be more like both of them? <laughs> There's such a challenge in it, isn't there? And as we worship, let's just remember the extravagant love of Jesus, who freely laid himself down as a sacrifice for our sin so that we could experience forgiveness and wholeness through his death. <laughs>